Hey, this is LOA Today, the Law of Attraction show. Welcome to LOA Today, Walt Thiessen and Joel Elston here. It is Thursday, February 23rd, 2017. Hard to believe we're already into February of 2017. I'm still getting used to January. We're past that part, Joel. <laughs> I, I think I remember talking about it's hard to be. It's hard to believe it's February 2016. It seems like uh, <laughs> we have really, really, time is on a warp right now. Uh, good things are happening, and it, it, the perception of time does seem to increase as I age. I think it's also having something to do with our topics over the last uh, almost a full quarter now. Um, because we've been spending so much good time focusing on Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And we're up to the 11th step in his uh, his sequence of events, his sequence of, of lessons that he provides in the book, a book that was, of course, published in the middle of the Great Depression and was written based on his experiences uh, talking with and meeting with and learning from the great leaders of the uh, the previous 30, 40 years or so. Um, this week, we're focusing on a topic that was very new for him at that time. It was new to all of, of the science of psychology and, and psychiatry, which is the topic of the subconscious mind. And uh, Joel, he, he did the best that he could, given the limited knowledge that he had at the time, I think. Well, and, and what I find interesting, even in the last, uh, say, 10 years, what they've discovered, what what the direction of science and, 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 and psychology has gone, even in the last 10 years is drastically different. So going back almost 100 years is just amazing that he got, got it as good as he did uh, because it, it, uh, there's a lot different now than, say, in 1980, 1990. Sure. Uh, it, it, just the way that, that we're understanding the, the power of the subconscious mind, have the role it plays, and one of the more, more I think, things that affect the subconscious mind more than than most people realize is i work with addiction all the time and that while i have i work with a bunch of different topics addiction is one of the things that i sort of see addiction in everything whether it's depression whether it's anxiety i see an addictive redundant pattern and the subconscious mind plays such an incredible role of of either self-defeat or self-victory, as I like to call it. It's a, uh, it, it plays a role that you don't realize. That, that obviously, subconscious is, is taking place away from your consciousness, but it's as active, and there are uh, some of the, the, the newer thinking models show that the subconscious mind is far stronger than the conscious mind. It is. It's, it's amazing. In fact, um... Uh, I'll get in. <clears throat> excuse me. I'll get into it a little bit later. But I've had an experience with the subconscious mind over the past couple weeks that kind of seared in my brain just how powerful it really is. Um, wow. But I'll, I'll tell you about that in a bit. One thing I wanted to touch on the um, the, the whole concept of the subconscious, subconscious mind is something that, like we said, he he. It's amazing how much he got right. The part that he got right really well is how important it is to understand the role of positive and negative emotions on the subconscious mind in terms of embedding in the mind the kinds of messages you want it to have uh, and, and the, the neuroplasticity of the mind, a, a phrase that didn't, a term that didn't exist in his day, neuroplasticity, but the idea that you can actually change your subconscious mind is an idea that he was positing with this chapter of the book, and that, that was extraordinary for his time. When, when you take it further with some of the more recent developments in the study of epigenetics, where you, you not only does the subconscious mind, you, you can control your subconscious mind by controlling the input of thoughts and keeping things positive, but there's also a new level in 10 years we're probably talking about where the subconscious mind can literally alter DNA, which was thought to be impossible. So the, the taking this to the, the, the extreme, we, we are really at the beginning of the understanding of the mind. So the subconscious mind for me, uh, and I'll, I'll speak in a lot of personal terms is when I was in, when things were bad, my, I had developed a baseline of depression. I would like to call that my, I lived depressed. <laughs> what what, so what a baseline. I mean, yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my, my subconscious mind really, again, doesn't care 
it, because that's where the law of attraction takes place. My subconscious mind is saying, okay, we're depressed. So, so that's our yeah, goal. Right. We're depressed. <laughs> so any effort that I would take to get away from that, I w even if there were moments of me feeling better, I would immediately wake up the next day depressed again, thinking that was just a moment of euphoria. It wasn't real because I'm really depressed. The subconscious mind buys into whatever you feed it. It's it, The subconscious mind is not just fed by what you think it's what you input. One of the things that you and I talk about, and, and, and this has been going on for a long time for me, and I have to admit lately it's been very hard, but I, by what, not watching the news, you are, you're not allowing a third-party programmer in your brain. It, it is, uh, it's something that, that if I can keep the third-party program programmers out of my brain, and literally control what I put in, my subconscious is required to only believe the reality that I'm programming it, and that then becomes a driving force. If I am successful and my subconscious mind believes that, it then tap, that's how the law, the law of attraction works through the subconscious mind. And that's really important to understand. It is, it doesn't work through the conscious mind. The conscious mind, that's what we're in control of. Consciously, we can control our thoughts and we can keep them positive. That's a little harder than it sounds. Uh, <laughs> And, 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 you know, but the idea that we do that, but the, the response of the law of attraction takes place within the subconscious mind. That's what it picks up on. The, it, it picks up where that emotion is attached to, you know, whatever part of the mind that is. Right, right. Yeah. And it is truly remarkable how powerful it is. That's the lesson that I learned this past week. So I've, I've had this experience over the last few weeks that it, it's really an accumulation of events over a period of a number of years, but it really drove home for me just how powerful the subconscious mind really is. And, and I've been studying this, the, you know, not just the subconscious mind, but, but psychology and so forth is, you know, sort of from an informal layman basis for quite some time now. I don't, I don't have the experience that you have. You're a trained therapist, but, uh, I, you know, I've, I've been dabbling enough in it that I'm, I'm a little bit more than a dilettante, I think. And yet, despite all of what I've been learning and reading about it, I learned this past week that the subconscious mind is dramatically more powerful than I had realized. Let me let me tell you why. I have a, uh, somebody I know. I, I won't. I don't want to give any clues about who this person is, but it's a person I've known for quite some time. And during the time that I've known this person, uh, this is a person who's who's got tremendous gifts and I can't even get into what those are because I start giving clues but this this person has a lot going for him and yet there's also like so many of us there's a negative side and in this particular person's case the negative side manifests in the form of not being able to handle his own negative emotions his own anger his own frustrations and so forth and by not being able to handle them what I mean is he's never really learned how to manage them never really learned how to um, to deal with them and so the, the strategies that he's developed over time in basically involve getting other people to manage them for him um, the only reason I even understand this part is because I'm very fortunate to be married to another former psychotherapist my wife Louise um, and she's helped me a, a great deal in terms of understanding how the psychology of this person works um, this will sound very familiar to you, I'm sure, Joel, but basically this is a guy who has a tendency, not just a tendency, it's a pattern of whenever his own frustrations start to build up, his anger starts to build up, his, you know, uh, any kind of negative stuff starts to build up, in essence what he does is he starts fights because he knows if he can start a fight, then he can get whoever he's starting the fight with to help him draw out his emotion and you know, basically you know, scream and yell and, and do whatever it takes to, to get rid of the, the, you know, the toxic side, if you will, of his own emotional natures. And we, and we all have uh, strategies we, we, we deal with in order to, to do that, but you're supposed to do it by not harming somebody else in the process. And he doesn't realize how much harm he causes by doing that. In fact, this is part of what I learned this past week. It, when you look at any given situation where there's not physical abuse or drug abuse or alcohol abuse, just kind of what you might call mental abuse, you know, just you know, getting angry at somebody and, and going overboard and that kind of thing. When you actually look at the essence of what happens in a particular instance, it's usually not terrible. You know, it's usually not just a horrible, horrible thing. It's just 
you know, it's bad. It's like you shouldn't do that. But it's never really, really terrible. What I learned is what the cumulative effect is over time. And I learned it firsthand because for the longest time with this person, I had believed that, you know, I could just kind of shunt that to the side. Okay, I hear him doing that. I'm just not going to pay attention to that. I'm going to focus on the stuff that I want. Not realizing how it was affecting my subconscious mind. Because apparently over time, as your subconscious mind gets exposed to the same kind of negative stimuli from the same person over and over again, it actually accumulates. It doesn't, it isn't just a series of individual events. They all pile up on top of each other. And as that happens, you can actually reach a saturation point where it becomes very painful, psychically painful. I mean, and it's as if you're feeling physical pain. Um, for me, it was like, after, after uh, reaching this, the threshold, that's what happened in the last couple weeks, I reached the threshold. I reached the, the threshold beyond which I can't go without starting to really hurt. It started feeling like every time that he went into that kind of a mode, it was as if somebody took a brick and bashed it into my forehead. It was that sharp of a pain. And I was astonished by that because he hadn't done that, you know? He hadn't right. actually hit me in the head with a brick, but it felt right. like it. Right. And th And then what happens is, over time, you, you, you're, our brains are really, really good, if you could call it that. They're really good at playing out these kinds of things so that we start making it worse and worse and worse in our own mind. So, so any given traumatic incident is bad enough, but in our minds, we keep over, playing it over and over again and traumatizing ourselves every single time as if it happened the first time. Right. right. When, I, when I realized this week just how powerful that is and just how on the negative side anyway just just how damaging it can be i i was i was stunned well and, and well that's such a great example because when when people are dealing with stuff it's the history that develops our, our subconscious mind stores hurt it stores pain it stores those things and and as you said you get to a saturation point and imagine uh, uh, people that are, and as you're saying, I'm not minimalizing your situation, but people that have been beaten and 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 defeated and and just, you know, abused on deep levels. How so much of that is stored, and their reaction to everything today is based and filtered through that behavior. That your 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 story is a great example of. I'm glad you're able to identify it because it it's. It's allowing, we just, we opened by talking about third party programmers and he was unintentionally, you allowed him to be a third party programmer with his negativity. Exactly. Exactly. And, and learned really just how damaging it is because I'll tell you, while I understood to some degree that, that there was damage caused even with the most minor traumas, I didn't realize how important the cumulative part of it was. Exactly. That's, that's so great. You see that I had a, um, Years ago, I was I was director of a, a group home in Florida, and it was uh, an interesting job. And you, you know, you had a lot of uh, emotionally handicapped kids, and and it was a very uh, it can be very stressful at times because the, you know you 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 it had a horrible combination of underpaid staff, overworked staff, and kids that have been through unbelievable traumas. And, and so you can just imagine. That, <laughs> I'm not sure that, I want that, to at this point. <laughs> yeah, that combination of stuff. So w when a child would go off, and what I mean by go off is they would go into a total meltdown and try to harm themselves or harm other people, uh, th then there was no option because there's no backup at that time. You would have to restrain the child. Mm. It was the thing that I hated doing most is why I got out of the business uh, because it, it just, it was hard to, uh, when, when your staff was dealing with these kids, it was hard to help them realize it's not personal and not to get angry and to do the minimum amount necessary to protect the child, and the environment. Right. Uh, and so, so that, that's one of the reasons I got out of it. But I, I remember we have a, a young lady and this has been many years ago. She's, she's, uh, I don't know how old she'd be now, uh, but she was a very sweet kid, but she had been through ungodly trauma uh, family abuse, sexual abuse, and her father, who had abused her, threatened, told her one day he would kill her, and he would find her and he would kill her. Mm. And uh, and and we all assured her that, that wasn't the case. Her father was in prison, and that that wasn't happening. And she'd be a grown woman by the time he get out. And and all this real, trying to help her a lot and deal with her trauma. Well, 
every time we had a new staff member, and the reason I mentioned the staff is our turnover was horrible. So we always had new staff people. Oh. And, and every time a new staff person would come in, that same night a new staff person would come in and she would have to be restrained. And a pattern developed so much that I realized, okay, new staff person, I'm going to probably need to have an extra staff person here tonight uh, to help with this situation because this young lady is going to go off. And I started just staying because it, it, it was just something that, that I knew was going to happen. It became that predictable. Mm. Uh, so one evening after one of her restraints, after the new staff member was there, and it's almost like this became a ritual, and it was right after dinner, you, you know, it, she timed it nicely. And, well, at least she let you have dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and so finally she was calming down enough that I said, I, I, I got to ask. I said, you trust me now? I said, what is going on? I said, I, I can't help but think that you're doing this on purpose. And she said, well, I don't think I am. And then we started processing, and she said, I said, I explained to her, I said, you don't go off when I'm around during the day. You don't go off when the, we have our normal group here. And she said, well, I know that you guys are going to protect me, and you're strong enough to protect me. So I think when I go off, I'm making sure that new person is strong enough to protect me. And if they can hold me down and protect me oh my. in this situation. Oh, wow. Oh, my. Her, can you imagine? Holy cow. And, and, and once she realized that, we were able to sit down. And what I started doing is bringing in the staff person and literally having her sit down with the new staff person, explain everything, become comfortable with the new staff person. And, that, and once she was confident, she no longer needed that physical reinforcement. She, she knew that person would protect her. Mm. Wow. That's a very deep understanding of how that subconscious mind can, can go back. And, and what happens is just what you talked about, the brain there's the, the recall of stress and traumas is a protective mechanism to keep us from doing the same thing. One of the things that separates us from animals is when you, or, or you know, wild animals is, is if an antelope is being chased by a lion, if you watch that antelope will go crazy. It'll dodge. It'll, it'll spend all of its energy. It'll do everything. And then once it's free, it'll just stop and start eating like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no. Oh my God! What almost, almost died. Almost, no, it's okay. Well, that that part's done. And and the, the antelope has a much different perspective of it than we do. An antelope understands that's just the way it works. I'm going to be food, or I'm not going to be food. That's just what I do. It doesn't get stuck on the emotional of almost what happened. Humans have that unique uh, 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 gift at, uh, for some things, but at the same time, it can be very disheartening and very you know. Negative in a sense that we have this this ability to remember all this negative stuff and then filter it through the subconscious, and that's how we keep doing the same things over and over. Whether it's addiction or 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 keep behaving the same way and getting the same results, there's this pattern filtering through the subconscious mind, and and that's the answer of you know, the the first twenty minutes into us talking today is that the, of why the subconscious mind does what it does. The beautiful information is what's going to come next. Exactly. That's the part we're looking forward to because on the one hand, you can look at it in terms of Chinese water torture, which is literally nothing more than water hitting your forehead on a drop-by-drop -drop basis. But over time, it, it not only just drives you crazy, it, it drives you crazy with pain as well. But the flip side is if you keep dripping in good stuff, you end up with a diametrically opposite experience. It's it's, a, yes. it's experience of positivity and feeling good, which which is huh, that we haven't even started to go into it yet. And yet already I'm thinking to myself, wow, how powerful love is, how powerful joy is, how powerful happiness is, how powerful enthusiasm is, how powerful gratefulness is, because all of these different and, and, and an infinite number of other emotions that it can all be described as positive, all of them contribute to a, an ongoing pattern in the subconscious mind to train us to believe that life is good and that life is fun and it's exciting and it's enthusiastic and it's all these ter terrifically amazing, powerful, positive things. And, and when we can train our subconscious mind by 
literally giving it experience after experience after experience like that, whether they're imagined or real, well, that's the essence of, of the law of attraction, isn't it? Attracting what we want into our lives by basically reinforcing what we want over and over and over again. And and to get the response from the law of attraction, you, you, you and what makes it, again, difficult for so many people is that control of your subconscious mind by definition is not you don't have direct control over it you have direct control of the programming of it which eventually and and that's what the hard part for most people to understand you spend your entire life feeling one way and then you have the awakening and, and when you hear about the law of attraction and how it applies how it can be applied to your life it sounds so great on the surface, and it is even deep down, but how do you program your subconscious mind? That becomes the million-dollar answer. That's right. Uh, li- literally. Uh, when, when, you, when you program that mind and you do that through positive thought, through positive reinforcement, you know, I, I often share stories of, of and, and I try not to be redundant in them, but I, it, but I have changed traumas in my life by changing how I viewed them. I've undone those traumas. The same traumas that kept pulling me back are no longer traumas once I understood how to view them differently. Mm. And that that changes things. That's where that subconscious mind feels different. You wake up feeling different eventually. The process is slow. You you don't change a subconscious mind in a day. Right. You 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 uh, when people say the law of attraction takes a long time to work, it isn't the law of attraction. The law of attraction can respond instantly. It's the law of attraction can only respond to where you're at deeply emotionally on a subconscious level. So changing the subconscious thing is a very, very different thing. Uh, it take, it, That does take time. It isn't the law of attraction that takes time. It's the subconscious mind buying into the new concept. And, and I've wondered for quite some time now. Um, I, I've heard, <clears throat> excuse me, um, law of attraction gurus talking in terms of how you know, there, there's some ratio between positive and negative thoughts, and as long as your ratio leans more toward the positive than toward the negative, um, where that, you know, that balancing point is, then you're going to, to make progress into the positive realm. And I've heard different ratios applied. I've said, heard people, some people say it's like, you know, for, for every 10 negative thoughts, you only need one positive thought to counterbalance it or whatever. But I don't, I don't really know where that, that actual ratio is. And it, it just makes you wonder, I mean, how much positivity do you have to do before you start getting the positive results? It's going to be different for, for every person. I guess that's why it makes it so difficult to figure out what that ratio is going to be, isn't it? Well, and I think the, a lot has to do with uh, how much negative has been to this part, you, you know, up to this point in your life. And and I have you, – you've always pointed out, and you, you actually got me thinking in, in – understanding something on one of the and, and I forget your the exact wording but you pointed out to me that and I always said to you younger people seem to grasp the law of attraction easier than people are more set in their ways they, they're more open to it they apply it better and you said they don't have as much stuff to undo and I, that weren't those weren't your exact words mm-hmm. but they, they don't have that and that's exactly the point. It's that that's where we we've talked about in previous shows. It it takes longer. The older you are, and there is no, it's ne, you're never too old to do this. Uh, but it takes longer to get to that point if you've had more experiences that are going against that. So I don't think there's any one set ratio. I, I think that it it's going to vary per person. It's going to vary per person's experience. I do. I do like the concept of uh, you, you, as many positive thoughts as uh, you know, as many as you can apply is going to is going to be the best ratio. Right, right. Uh, you know, the 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 say, one of my favorite Facebook saying is when is the best time to plant a tree? The answer is twenty years ago. Yeah, when right. The next best time to plant a tree today. <laughs> yes. I mean, it, 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 it's like so. So, how many? I don't know, but but why? Let's not say okay. Well, I had the privilege of having 20 negative thoughts today and only have to have one positive. It's not, it it's really doesn't work. You know, gurus are always looking for their, their little spin on things. So everybody wants a specific ratio. And I, I, I wish there were, I, I, but I like the idea of applying a bunch of different things, right. a bunch of different positive thoughts and trying. And eventually that does become, it does infiltrate into the subconscious mind. It's what you think about when you start having 
positive dreams. You're, you're reaching the subconscious. You're seeing when you're believing yourself, that's when it starts to matter. And another sort of caveat to that is I personally believe, and this is something that, that I'm not suggesting people do, but I think people who, who, and I'll use an addiction term who hit a really bad bottom and have nothing to lose are more open to the law of attraction as well. I think when you're trying to hold on to an old life, you're trying to, you know, sort of pull it in some ways, people, you know, cause I, I hit a very low bottom, ended up homeless, all this stuff, ended up in a halfway house and built my life back from that. And once I did that at some point, you know, okay, I have nothing to lose anymore. It, it doesn't, it, there's nothing to hold on to. So I wasn't trying to hold on to an old way of thinking. I was like, okay, let, this is, it became easier. I don't know if you can relate to that wall, but that, that it became easier in a sense than some people who have, who haven't experienced that. And I, and I'm throwing out to the world, go, go get to a bottom. So this is easier, but I had nothing to, well, yes, this clearly is not working what I'm doing. So, uh, you know, it's not hard to accept a new concept. Well, I I think what happens and and you tell me if I'm wrong, because you're the one who's experienced it and you're right. I haven't had that kind of really hard bottom um, experience, and I am, I'm struggling to make sure I never do. <laughs> but right. uh, um, I, I think what probably happens is uh, something that you have to understand by separating traumas from the way we think about traumas. And what I mean is, um, you were alluding very accurately to how there are people who've had much worse traumas in their life than anything that I was talking about. And, and it's true. I mean, there there are some absolutely horrific things that go on. I mean, being married to a, a psychotherapist, you kind of learn some of these things. Um, uh, sexual abuses and oh, all kinds of horrible stuff. Um, well, those traumas are traumas that, when they're actually happening, are very damaging. But most of what we do as human beings, because of our subconscious minds, happens not at the moment of trauma. It happens before and after. So I'm not sure exactly how to label these two things, but I guess one maybe we call one immediate traumas and the other one we call root replay traumas. I'm, I'm not sure what to call them. I suspect what happens is when you hit bottom, you've basically run out of replay traumas because it's already happened. Right. So, right. so, so you, you can tell, well, there's no point in replaying the trauma because, you know, well, there it is. <laughs> well, that, it's not like I can anticipate anymore. It's, it's, it's arrived. Right. And, and I think that's a great point because I, example for me, uh, I, my behavior in my addiction, which I am horrified at during that time, but I've certainly turned it around over the last 20-something years, uh, I, one of the big fears, I knew at some point that I was going to either have to stop or I was going to end up in jail. I knew that. And the fear of jail was an overriding huge event. I would, there was times I would wake up, is today the day I'm going to be arrested? Mm. Well, eventually I was arrested. So once I went to jail and I woke up and realized, well, this isn't near the worst place I've ever been. This experience is far different than I thought it would be, not near as bad as I thought it would be. I'm like, wow, I spent years fearing this, living in the fear of it, and eventually obtaining what I was fearing, and then being able to say, that's no longer a thing. I handled it. I don't want to do it again, but I handled it. And and you did have a choice. You could have chosen to keep repeating it. Exactly. But it's that I I think I benefited from, clearly I I benefited from the knowledge that, yeah, I I don't have to do this anymore. The fear, I, I, I believe that fear and worry is exactly what attracts into your life. What your, your biggest fear is what you're bringing into your life right now because your subconscious mind doesn't have the ability to reason it just reacts to the emotion of what you're programming it with there's no logical subconscious mind a subconscious mind is very literal uh my my son tj was one of the funniest things that I always used to deal with with him is he was very bright in so many areas but he could not ever grasp sarcasm he was literal on everything. Hmm. And you had to be very careful how you worded things with TJ because he, he said, okay, well, you know, if a teacher told him sarcastically, uh, and he said, I don't want to do my homework. Okay, buddy, you don't have to do your homework. You're the only one in the class that doesn't have to, ha-ha, and walk away. 
TJ was okay. Well, thank goodness for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, he 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 truly was uh, really happy. You know, came home and said, "Well, she said I didn't have to do it." And I said, "Oh, TJ." <laughs> uh, so so uh, he he later learned in life that while he didn't grasp the concept of of sarcasm, he later learned to at least interpret it and realize when somebody was being sarcastic. It, it makes a whole lot of sense though, because yeah. what is sarcasm? Sarcasm is essentially a, a negative programming. Yes. It's basically telling your subconscious mind the exact opposite of what you really want to tell it because it's funny. And and the, and the subconscious mind doesn't do sarcasm. It doesn't do it doesn't do uh, you know the, anything that you're it, it's base it's going by the feelings of it all. And that's where the law of attraction that's where it, to me it just it knocks everything out of the park here. Yeah, oh yeah, cuz you think about it, the subconscious mind doesn't know how to laugh. No, it doesn't. It it has it has zero interest in, in it. It doesn't have the subconscious mind doesn't operate that way. In back in you know back in the the subconscious mind is is where the boring stuff take play, place. You know, okay, let's beat this heart. Let's do this. You know, it's got a lot of energy back there in the subconscious mind. You know, it it it's, it operates your belief system. It so you don't have to. It, so you don't have to think up. It's sort of like a a, um, a cookie on a computer. You know, you, you've been to this website. We don't need to keep loading this website over and over. Let's store this information so the next time you get here, we're going to be current. Subconscious mind's doing that, okay? Uh, let's don't waste time with stuff you don't like. Let's store that there. Let's don't waste time with what, you know, let's let's start put, putting that in there. And the reason I believe children are more open to the concepts of the law of attraction is the subconscious mind in kids is still open to more suggestions. The 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 positivity of a child that I, I I'm always amazed at the resilience of these kids. These kids that have been to hell and back, they're resilient. They have a positive attitude. They're looking forward to that next if if they're allowed to do that. So much of them is surrounded by by the negative. I know in foster care one of the trainings that I'm working hard on implementing uh, is, is is helping the foster parents not be so preconditioned to the negativity of the whole setting. You have the caseworkers who are negative. You're having the, everybody's responding to the negative side of behaviors. Everybody and, and certainly these behaviors are real. And I'm not critical of the foster parents. They don't have the training to understand. You know, that one of the trainings I do is is I have them act out scenarios. Okay, this has happened to you. What would be your response? You're you're being held captive in the back of a trunk, and and uh, this person is taking you away. You you've been taken from your family. You're in a trunk, and and you you, you don't know what's about to happen to you. Uh, are you going to be compliant? Or are you going to try to get out of the trunk? And that that's one of the analogies. I said, imagine that on a different level. Everything you know, everything you've been told is wrong. You've been ripped from your family. You've been put in another home. You're told everything you believe is wrong. You, the person who you love most in the world is no longer involved, and, and, and they can't talk to you. What are you believing? Of course you're going to act out. Mm. You know, I was just noticing th there's actually a musical analogy here. Oh, nice. One that I'd never really thought about before, and I should have known this one because I used to play music. I used to be a guitarist. Um, Anybody who's ever played in a band knows that you have various devices you can plug into that will create effects. Um, the most uh, famous effect device is the synthesizer, the music synthesizer. Um, and we recognize it from different songs that we know. People who are Pink Floyd fans, for instance, recognize the echo effect, right? Um, where, where you hear, uh, 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 you know, whatever the sound is being repeated. Every you know, few seconds, every few microseconds, whatever, but at a steady pace over and over and over again. Well, something that most people don't know because they, they didn't actually play around with it like I did on a guitar or you know, with a synthesizer or with you know, an echo box or something like that is if you play a note or you play a series of notes and you use an echo effect and you let the echo effect keep going, it will start to degrade. And when it degrades, it will do something really remarkable it will turn into feedback. Feedback being that, that, that high squeal thing that you get, you know, that sounds very unpleasant. It's like, oh, turn that off. It's like the reverb's up too high, that kind of thing. It always turns into feedback. And it just struck me, wow, so much of music is about negative themes. You know, my, my girl left me. You know, I got abused at home. You know, I'm an alcoholic. All, all these you know, negative themes that show up in, in popular music. 
And here you have the echo effect being used. I mean, Pink Floyd, I, I mentioned Pink Floyd. Their, their lyrics are probably among the most depressing lyrics you'll ever hear. <laughs> right. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, there's an example, a, a musical example of how the subconscious mind can be used negatively, can be used to reinforce negative traumatic experiences and just keep echoing them back to you until it finally turns into a, an extremely painful feedback. So here's, a, here's the challenge for us, Joel. Can we create another analogy that shows how that echo effect can actually create a positive feedback? Because that's really what we're trying to accomplish, isn't it? Right, right. And, and sort of, you know, as you're saying, sort of understanding, again, how we're loading stuff into, the, into that uh, subconscious. What, what are the mechanisms? We can do what you're asking by looking at how we load things into our brain. Uh, what 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 determines what you take into your subconscious? When when I, I forget the number, but I, I, I should have researched this as thoroughly as I did most of my stuff uh, this week. Uh, we before we go on air, but I I, <laughs> I I love this this mindset. What we're looking at, when you go into a new environment, and let's use New York City for example. When you arrive in New York City and you say you go into LaGuardia and you're coming in and you got to go in, in, you know, to the island, you're, there is so much to take in. You, you, there is no way your brain has the ability to process everything the mind's seeing. Mm. It's not. It's what you choose to focus on that, that you know, you, you see the big, huge buildings. You see... All this, and, and and this is. I'm going to bring something very unique to where where we're at. At, at least I think is is the differences between humans. I believe is what when you look at a picture, it's what you focus on that sort of tells where things are at. You can look at New York City and say, "Wow, this is amazing! It is it is just full of life, and there's so much activity, and and it's so productive, and these people always are on the go." It's just full of energy. Or you can look at New York City and go, oh, my God, it's overwhelming. There's too many people, these ugly buildings, and, and it uh, it's just, it's just looks dirty to me. And, and it's it, the same city. It, and it's amazing how the emotions and literally the senses tie into this. Yeah. So, for instance, yes. you can be in New York City and you can say, wow, what is that smell? I mean, it smells so good. Or you can say, oh, God, this, the city stinks. And it's the same yes. smell. It's the same smell. And... You know, when you walk, or always, uh, I I remember when my son Chris and I went to New York City one time, and he'd never been. We we woke up and we were doing the, we stayed in Midtown, and we were walking. Everything's in New York City. You know, here it's like, oh, I'll drive a quarter of a block to the store. Yeah, right. New York City. <laughs> oh, that's only eighteen blocks away, and you know, so you walk twenty miles in a day. Uh, and if you so try we were, to drive that, it takes like four hours. <laughs> exactly. So we were we were doing a lot of walking, and we were having a really good time, and and. After about nine hours of walking around the city, there, there's a, there's this layer of film that if, if you take like a, a, a white napkin or, or a washcloth that you wipe your around your neck, there's a layer of dirt. Right. It's all the soot. It's all the all the stuff that you don't see, but it accumulates on your skin. So Chris came and he said, I really love today, Dad, but wow, it's just dirty out here. <laughs> and and I, I said, wow. He said, but it wasn't dirty this morning. Yeah. And I said, son, it's been dirty all day. It's just the dirt built up on you. And that's the that's the piece that, that water torture you were talking about. So, it, it, you know, the, the example that I've used, and I've done this in seminars before, I will take if, if, if that, I, I don't, it's hard to get the film anymore, but instant camera films, and I can do it with a digital camera too. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I, will, I will just take a camera and I will run it around the room, clicking it nonstop, mm -hmm. just not even caring where I'm pointing. Right. Well, the, and, and I use that as an example. The camera lens isn't, it doesn't care what you're pointing at. It's just taking in what you're taking the snapshot of. And then what I like to do is put the picture up on a uh, on a PowerPoint or a big screen and say, okay, I just took this picture, and let's look at things, let's notice things that we weren't noticing. And the picture, and it's amazing what you'll find in that. Well, it's, it's it's really cool exercise to do. You can do it anywhere, and and you start looking at like, wow, I I've been sitting here the whole time and I did not notice 
uh, that man sitting in the back row that has a band-aid where he cut himself shaving. Mm -hmm. uh, I, did, I didn't notice that uh, the rope that's above the, the, the curtain behind there is, is loose and it may fall. And, and all this stuff that we were able to take these pictures of, because, again, the camera didn't care what it loaded. It just took it out there, and our eyes are taking things in. And it doesn't care what's there. It's seeing it. Most of it we're not acknowledging, but all of that gets to the sub. The subconscious mind is is processing all of that stuff. It's incredibly powerful. It is. And, and the emotion attached to it is where the subconscious mind is storing. If I walk into New York City and I'm looking at it, the subconscious mind for me was, wow. That it, it, All the subconscious mind was noted. Picture of New York City, wow, great place. And it, 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 it's, that's what's stored there. Trauma, oh my God, evil. And, and I, I use that example for me being a recovering compulsive gambler. My trips to Las Vegas, when I would fly in, I was euphoric. It was amazing. Mm. And when I'd fly out, I was horribly depressed. The yeah. world was coming to an end. I was hoping the plane would crash every time I left. And it's the same and, plane. Same plane. It's same. almost always the exact same physical plane because it's the yeah. same plane route. You're flying from City X to Vegas and from Vegas to City X. It's the same exactly. plane. <laughs> And, and so, so the exciting part, like you're talking about, is what we, we can easily see how we, we program the negative that's out of our control. So, so reversing the process, doing the opposite of, is looking for the good, looking for, or even turning situations that seem horribly bad. We did a, a show that, that, uh, uh, that was actually... You and I didn't think so, but uh, it was actually labeled uh, adult content or something or mature audiences. Uh, and we didn't intend it that way, but it was it was about a perspective of September 11th. Oh, right. And uh, and, and I, I I was shocked to hear that somebody, you know, it, we, we were not, it was really benign, I thought. But it was amazing how somebody else could listen to the same thing and think there was controversy attached to that. Or there was adult theme to that, and and I, and I don't want to turn this show into that, so I'm not going to get into it. But it, it was, again, a perspective of something. So when you realize you control your perspective, you're in control of that. Your perspective is what is helping you download into the subconscious mind. When you force yourself into a positive state, the subconscious mind is picking up on that, and then the law of attraction can then get in tune with that and bring in what, and, and that's how you change it. And it's and it's the exciting news is it's that easy, and the bad news is it's not near as easy as it sounds. <laughs> well, you just confused everybody. <laughs> exactly, it, it, because because we overthink it. It's it it you you don't equate to it. It you you overthink the message because it when uh, I use children again, children don't have the filters. It's hard to unplug the filters of what doesn't work. What what food do you dislike, Walt? Do you have a food you really dislike? Oh, geez, let's see. I don't have too many of them. Most of what Louise makes is wonderful. Okay, uh, well, first of all, all right, right here for Louise. Yeah, all right. Uh, let's see. How, how about the kale? I'm not. I really don't like the flavor of kale. Okay, so kale, kale. Somewhere along the way, you you have eaten kale, and you said, oh. It's just, ugh. And, and your taste buds don't, and I agree, kale. I eat a lot of kale, but I do them in smoothies, so it tends to be mixed uh, up Actually, with for stuff. me, it's the texture. You know, yeah, it's, it's this exactly. heavy, chewy, hard to chew, and kind that of, oh, a, God. That, I, I love that because one of my favorite flavors, and this is where uh, there, there's two things that I love. I love the flavor of coconut. I hate the consistency of coconut. You and Louise, yeah, she can't stand coconut. Yeah, but the flavor is awesome. Mm-hmm. But the, the consistency is it's chewy, it gets in your teeth, it's not it's Oh, not it's very mass. uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah. And and the other for me is I love onion flavor, but I don't like the slimy onions. I don't the ooze. Like, <laughs> but I love the onion flavor. I it, on a different level, this isn't even about flavor because I think it's a two entirely different flavors. I love I eat I go. I, I will challenge anyone in the audience that, that I probably eat more raw spinach in a week than anybody listening. I eat a lot of raw spinach. I cannot swallow cooked spinach. It won't go down. Mm. And and it's 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 so I. And the reason I do that is it. Reason I'm pointing that out is all these things I derive this at different points in my life. 
Now, have I tried to eat raw or cooked spinach in the last 20 years? Absolutely not. I'm already convinced. <laughs> hey, you hate raw spinach. <laughs> I mean, you hate cooked spinach. You hate it. Don't, don't try it. You know, it, there's no sense in it. It's, it's irrelevant. It's not changed. But you're also and, convinced of something else. You're convinced that raw spinach tastes delicious. It does, and that's my point. I'm, so when we're doing this stuff, as we start to question, as we start to, we want to tune into this. We want to believe in this stuff. It's watch your programming. The subconscious can be programmed, but it's programmed in. It doesn't matter when you when you're saying I don't want something. The subconscious again. Uh, okay. Uh, want, don't want, don't know what that means, but I know you're talking about it. I know you have emotion attached to it. I know you're fearful of it. So let me just flag that as something that, that's a, that we're wanting, or at least it's out there. That's how the law of attraction tunes in. And, and even if, for, for those people who still struggle with the concept of the law of attraction, and, and there, there are people who fall into that category. I would say even the, the majority of people fall in that category. If, if, that, if the concept of the law of attraction doesn't work for you, maybe this will. The fact is we live in a highly dysfunctional society. We are full of dysfunctional people. The norm is dysfunctional. I mean, we, we talk about normal people. Norm is dysfunctional in, in, in society. The, you, the overwhelming majority of people have dysfunctionalities of one kind or another, and they dominate their subconscious programming. So even if you don't buy into the whole concept of law of attraction, buy into this. We have a whole lot of negativity to overcome with positivity. What better reason do we have to be positive? Because we, we all need it. We all need the positivity just, just to push that negativity aside and get it out of the way. All right. Yes. Well, why not just start doing it? Why don't you just start making our, our, our goal in life? Start by you know, getting rid of the news. We, we both have, have gotten rid of the news, and, and we're, we're refusing to, to you know, go back to it. Okay. Well, there's step number one. What's step number two? Well, how about you know, appreciating warm, fuzzy things, you know, like, liking them on Facebook or whatever? How about uh, finding what's going on in life that's good? How about we're out for a walk and, and the sky is a beautiful bright blue and it's a sunny day and there's, there's snow on the ground because we're in New England, but nevertheless, it's gorgeous. It's, it's created this, this picturesque setting. How, how wonderful that is. How about you know, appreciating our kids? How about appreciating our spouses? How about appreciating all the good things in life? What would happen if we start doing that on a regular basis? Forget law of attraction. How would this end up affecting our entire civilization, if even a, a percentage of us start focusing all the time on what's good. That, that's, that's exactly right. The, 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 the idea, who, and I forget who said this, and I wish I did, it, it's, it's so great. If you don't, you know, do you believe that the positive thinking works? And, and some people, oh, no, that doesn't work. Well, do you think negative thinking works? Is that helping you? Well, that clearly isn't helping. So <laughs> it, it, the idea that we can we can see that, you know, one is detrimental, but why, it, it, there has to be a, the other side to it. And so I'm excited that we have tools. And, you know, since our show is sort of how do we help the average person use this great uh, gift, this, this law of attraction, how do we help them use it? And, and that's where the tangible lies. And in, in, in this book, when we're talking about the subconscious mind, he, he touched on it, but of all the chapters, there's some chapters that are incredibly long and some chapters are relatively short in this book. This is one of the shorter chapters. Mm -hmm. and, and it is because I think he, it's amazing he even was aware of it, that even existed. Yep. But he, he, as you said in the beginning, he did such a great job with the information he had at the time. But if you're writing the book, in, in, in my book, uh, my second book, that when I, it, it, that's halfway done <laughs> is uh, perspective the human superpower because I believe your perspective controls your your it really control in a direct way your reality by you inputting what you're inputting not allowing third-party programmers into your brain to, to put in their narrative put in your own narrative of a positive that forces the subconscious to respond in a certain way and that's what the, the law of attraction responds to it's a beautiful combination mm-hmm it is. It's a gorgeous combination. And, and, and when we combine that with the, the conscious activity of looking for stuff that we like so we can focus on that stuff that we like and doing it constantly. Um, I mean, I, it reminds me of one of the, uh, 
uh, presenters in The Secret, the movie The Secret, who kept saying things like, so what, what do you enjoy doing? Do you, do you like, you know, uh, eating a salami sandwich? Well, eat a salami sandwich. I mean, do you, do you enjoy, I don't, I don't remember what examples he gave, but, you know, what, what is it that you enjoy? Do you, do you like petting a cat? Well, well, pet your cat some more. You know, do the things that feel good. And, right. and by doing that, you are controlling your perspective. That's precisely what you're doing. You're, you're deciding, I'm going to focus on the things that I like and only on the things that I like. And by maintaining that perspective, things turn around. It, it does. When you, it, you can almost see what you're attracting in your life. Now, again, this is, this is uh, I, I, do, we tend to attract the same people into our lives. I, I, I always laugh that, you know, I, I say I want one thing in a relationship and I end up with another. Well, I'm obviously doing something right. that's not matching what I say I'm wanting. Right. And, and I've seen that a lot where it, this side of it is what I'm after. You know, what are you really trying to invite and what are you actually inviting? Mm-hmm. And, and understanding how we get there, that's the difference. And as you're saying, going out there and, and you, you walk out into a world and go, this is a beautiful world. In, in, uh, we were talking about New York City earlier. There, there was this one of the most fascinating things that I felt is in the middle of this courtyard of this hotel that I used to stay at in New York, and I'm dropping the name right now, they had a mini, I would call it a little jungle. I mean, they had trees and a little path through there and and benches. and It was like a mini Central Park, really nice, hmm. inside this courtyard. Wow. And I, I can remember it was, I had meetings that day in New York, and I was working with this uh, Wall Street firm on, on just some motivational stuff. And these guys are very intense, and, and, and you know, in fact, they, they wear you out because they're just wired. Um, and so I'm going back to my hotel, and, and, and it's the 5 o'clock walk hour where everybody's walking and, and dodging each other, and it's it, the, the, the horns are honking, and the and, and New York City has quit being exciting, and all of a sudden it looks a little like I'm that far from my hotel. Ugh. So I walk in, and instead of going up to my room, I went and sat in the garden. And I closed my eyes, and I was no longer in New York City. Wow. Nice. And it was it was awesome. And the, the, the way the building is, all, it's a very tall building, so the courtyard's there, so you, you don't get the sound of the city. Mm. You don't get the smell of the city. Uh, you, you don't get all it, it's just really nice and I sat back and it was quiet and this gentleman walks through the garden and, and he speaks hey how are you and it felt like I was in some middle of nowhere mm. and the reality was I was I was another place because that's what my perspective and, and it's like an instant recharge mm. I'm like wow look I, I found this this oasis in the middle of, of the, the craziness here but it really wasn't – New York City was no crazier than I was excited when I woke up in the morning. It just had warned me, and I allowed other third-party programmers in my head. I quickly was able to get back to my point of view and change the evening for a wonderful – then I went out to a great dinner uh, and, and had a really good time with some really good friends and had an incredible meal. And I, wow, wow, that I was able to hit the reset button. Find a way to fit. You can't do it perfectly, or what? I hope we can do it perfectly one day. I have not been able to do it perfectly, but I I do have moments where I can stop, take a deep breath, look where I'm at. Uh, I have a, a. This never happens to me. And I'm very. This weekend, I was driving up to an uh, an appointment, and I have a really nice car, and and all of a sudden, it went crazy. Uh, it, the, the, the alarms went off. It, 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 it started surging. It said the car will shut down in 20 seconds to protect the motor. And I'm like, what? <laughs> trying to, I'm trying to, I'm in the middle of an intersection. I'm doing three miles an hour. People yeah. are honking at me. And I'm trying to process all this. And I got to be at an appointment. Well, I was a half a mile away from an appointment, which was good. And I was able to sort of chug. It didn't want me to chug. It wanted me to turn the car off, but I refused to do that. Uh, and I chugged and literally pulled up in front of my, my client's apartment. So I I, I called the it, – it's a Porsche Cayenne, really nice vehicle. It's only two years old, under warranty. So I called my, my roadside service from Porsche, and they said, no problem. We'll send somebody out, and we'll be there within the hour. I said, great. 
Uh, I called the dealership. They said, uh, we have a loaner car ready for you when you get here. And all of it worked perfectly. Mm. So I can, I can focus on the fact that my really expensive, new, nice car died. Or I can focus on the fact that I broke down right in front of where I was going. I, I The tow truck gave me a ride to the dealership. They gave me a, a really awesome loaner. Uh, all this is under warranty. It didn't even really affect my day. Mm-hmm. It, it really, it didn't take me out of it. You know, I just ate lunch in a different place and I was planning on eating lunch. That's the only difference in the day. In fact, it also makes me realize there's a, what we might call the Central Park analogy. You mentioned Central Park in New York City. Right. Um, if you've spent any time in Central Park, one of the things that you notice about it is that when you're in the middle of the park, all the city sounds are extremely muted. Yes. If you're if you're a native to the city, you don't hear them at all. If you're not native to the city, you hear them, but they're very very quiet by comparison. And all the bright lights are gone. It's and it's it. You feel the nature. Well, it's no wonder Central Park is quite clearly a very popular place for people who live in the city to go to because it's a way of doing, like you said, to reset themselves. The analogy here is that there are central parks everywhere. You don't have to live in a big city to have a central park because all a central park is is a place to get away from. Yes. To get away from stuff. You can get away from stuff anywhere. You, If you live in the middle of Iowa, in the middle of farm country, and you need to get away, there is some place you can go to get away. And that getaway is going to be relevant to what you need as a person living in Iowa. Quite honestly, the getaway might be to go to a barn dance. <laughs> It might right. be it might be to get away from the from the endless fields, <laughs> and that that's such a, a you getting away isn't even a physical thing. Once you understand getting away is a mental thing, and you get to program how you're perceiving a situation, and and that's the that's the beauty of it. That that's when you get to that high level of, of practicing this, focus on what worked great. My car breaking down wasn't a bad thing mm-hmm. it was it, it didn't it, it's really a, a non-event it's no big deal it's getting new stuff i'm excited i got new Me- stuff going my car. meaning that you chose to make it a not a big deal you could have right. chosen the other way yes and and my and, and i can look i have to go i'm having to go 15 miles out of my way I, I'm, I'm supposed to eat lunch with this guy i'm not gonna be able to eat lunch there well, i just called him and said i'm eating here can you meet me there he goes no i can't I said sorry we'll reschedule next week so i had lunch by myself but that that's the only difference it didn't mean anything beautiful stuff here Walt that you are in control of your perspective that is the difference that's the key to all of this and you reach your subconscious mind through controlling your perspective and that's a task that is hard to do at first but it becomes easier and you get to see the good you get to see the difference of of what's happening and I, I, I see every day amazing things I see miracles take place every day that everybody, Joel, really, is that a little dramatic? <laughs> and, and to some people, it may be. But I, I've seen people who have been addicted to stuff turn their lives around. I see people who have been chronically unemployed get jobs. I see people who who have lost 250 pounds and, and are feeling healthy again. I've seen families that broke apart by addiction coming together. I go to, I see adoption hearings. Adoption, and adoption is a perfect analogy for what we're talking about. Adoption is one of two things. It is both things, actually. It is adoption signals the falling apart of one family and the creation of another. Mm. Which do you focus on? Right, exactly. And you know what, Joel? We, we say every week that you know we can't believe the hour is up, and sure enough, that's true this week. But I have to tell you, this topic, the topic of the subconscious mind and, and how it impacts us, I, I wish we literally had another hour right now to go into it because it's. I, I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. I hope we can talk about it again next week and continue because I really think this this is where the meat of it lies. Well, let's do that then. I mean, Perfect. you know, just because we're doing one chapter at a time doesn't mean that we can't spend more time on a chapter. So let's do that. Let's do it. All right. Sounds good. So just to remind everybody, find us on iTunes. Find us on uh, at our website, LOAToday.net. Find us here on PRN. Find us on Facebook. Find us anywhere you have to find us. But find us. Subscribe to us. Stay with us because this is an ongoing journey that just gets better and better. And, Joel, it's been a pleasure as usual. 
look forward to seeing talking to you next week. Mark. Me too, me too. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.